Hello folks, welcome to the Jock and Jerno Show. Can you believe it? Episode 1 of Series 3 and the old band is back together. I'm very excited to say Braden Cox, the uh, superstar from Series 1, is uh, back with us. Good morning to you, Braden. It's good to hear that you're still yelling on intro. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm Jay Clark, of course, and the star of this show, the five-time Copeland Trophy winner, five-time All-Australian Entering uh, his sixth year as captain of the Collingwood Football Club. Good morning to you, Scott Pendlebury. Thanks, Jay. At least you got my name right, mate, today. Um, been dealing with some situations where people can't pronounce my name, spell my name, so um, sounded pretty good then. What happened, mate? You just got your life membership at the AFL function. It was a, was a great function. You were presented upstage with uh, Lance Franklin and other uh, luminaries. What, what was the issue? Oh, um, well, I got my life membership. I actually got yeah. it out on the bench here at home and um, yeah, I opened it up and realised it was spelt wrong. So, um, yeah, on reflection, hopefully I get to go next year now and get the proper one. <laughs> we might have to send it back to uh, AFL House to get Gil McLaughlin to fix that up for you, mate. P-E-N-D-L-E-L. L-E-L. Not going to hang it up on the wall. We are in your beautiful new house here. Uh, pod cave. We're not quite in the pod cave, though. Not yet. It's not quite set up, but... Yeah, we're here. We may do. We've got a massive episode to uh, to get through. We're speaking to one of your former teammates, the key defender, Jack Frost. He's having a massive battle with concussion at the moment. He's got a uh, interesting story to tell. We're going to be joined by him a little bit later. We're also going to talk about the grand final learnings, reflections, Scott, your recent um, experience with Kobe Bryant, which sounds uh, fascinating. Team chemistry, particularly that on the bus, the threat of technology, and um, very interestingly, you've had, and you've been very quiet about this, your postseason surgery. So you were a, one of one of a number of Collingwood players to go under the knife. And, geez, you were quiet about this. I mean, we used to hang out a bit last year doing the podcast, and you never said anything about it. But is it right that you've had back surgery? Uh, I don't know if you – yeah, it's, it was very minor procedure. Did you have um, back surgery, Scott, or not? Yeah, well, I guess you can say I did. Um, but yeah, I haven't missed any training or anything like that. So it was a minor procedure. Um, yeah, sort of halfway through last year, had some issues with my back that, um, I just really couldn't get on top of. So, um, yeah, that, that little procedure that I had and combined with a few other things have, um, got my body and back, especially feeling really good. So yeah, I was in a bit of strife, um, most weeks last game and I mean, most weeks last year. So, um, you know, it's not a nice feeling when you come out after halftime and you can barely touch your knees. So, um, makes it hard to pick the ball up off the deck. Yeah, I know. I wish I was a key forward at times like that. So, <laughs> unfortunately, my marking's not great. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to um, the season and um, yeah, body's in really good shape. Um, body's in good nick. So, what was the problem? Um, well, I had some nerve issues with my back. So, um, just tried to go in and, and take care of those and then combined with. A bit of a different training regime um, over the summer, sort of increased focus on mobility, um, Pilates off-site. Um, yeah, and then just the, doing, trying to do the basics as well as I can, you know, get up in the morning, have a stretch, um, jump in the pool, get in the sauna, all those type of things. So um, just every day sort of a, a little program that I've got that I like to go through to keep my body as sort of mobile and as limber as possible. So you get up before your two-year-old son, Jack's in the morning, so you're up at... Um, 6 a.m. Yep. Stretching on the floor of your lounge room. Uh, no, I was stretching the kitchen. 
because um, that's where the coffee machine is. So. What are you, an idiot, it's, Jay? Where do you stretch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so it's, yeah, it's usually up at about six, um, straight to the coffee machine, coffee, and then, yeah, start some stretching and a bit of stuff like that. And a bit of an hour before the, the little one gets up and the madness begins. So, so you don't jump in your sauna at home when you wake up, Jay? <laughs> yeah. Don't jump in your pool? I don't have a lap pool. By you don't even have my... an Olympic-sized pool at your house. What no. are you Neither do I. I don't, uh, Coco. So how difficult – did you get to the point last year where you were unable to play or you felt like you, you no, couldn't I play? Could, or? I could definitely just uh, – yeah, sort of in games, towards the back end of games, I could just sort of feel everything in my body just tighten up and brace just because I was trying to protect myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was a – sort of, I think I just programmed my body to get used to it. Um, we had a lot of injuries last year that we were dealing with, so – the last thing the club needed was me to be putting my hand up and saying, like, I'm a bit sore and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I might need a week off. So sort of I think just the load got to me and, um, yeah, I sort of couldn't believe the difference when I started training again in the summer of being able just to bend over and get ground balls easily. And You're feeling um, good now, yeah? Oh, yeah. I just I remember saying to, to one of the physios, it just, it just feels really weird to get down so easily without having to worry about coming back up. So... Um, yeah, and I suppose these are the things that every AFL player goes through, you know, injuries that you just sort of hide behind the scenes and yeah. you don't want anyone to know about them. Um, yeah, it wasn't ideal timing, but, yeah, I, I still found – I still thought I played some pretty good footy last year. It's just um, every week was a, a little bit of a battle, battle that I'm not – I haven't been used to in the past. What did the surgery do to the nerve? How did it correct it? Or- um, oh, I think it's – well, yeah, I'm not a surgeon, but he was confident that he could go in and um, release some of the tension in my body. So, um, you know – it was basically like I was super, super sensitive and tight mm. um, in my upper back, lower back, glutes. Um, so sort of just released my understanding is released some of those issues for me by what he did. And um, you know, as Jeff Walsh always likes to say, let the baker bake the bread. So I didn't go into the scientifics with him of, of what he did and how he did it. But yeah, feeling good. And then um, obviously that combined with the stuff doing day to day, yeah, it really helps and looking forward to it. It looks like the Pilates. I've been watching your Instagram account. Oh, it's very entertaining, Scott. It looks like the Pilates training that you are doing does look pretty intense. So clearly, that's what you're trying to do to strengthen your core yeah, even more. Yeah, strengthen core, back. and it's, it's almost we call it between the knees and nipples. Just trying to get that area as, as strong as I can, um, but also as mobile as I can because you got to try. It's almost that sweet balance between strength and mobility. You can't get too strong. Because um, you need to be able to be mobile, but you can't be mm. too mobile because you'll stay strong. So yeah. I have that problem drag, sometimes. Um, I just get too strong for myself. I've managed to drag Geordie to a few sessions. He was um, there today in all his Puma gear sporting. And um, yeah, he's taken some plug. He's, I've, I wish I had have um, been doing it since, you know, I think Geordie's like 22 or 23, and he's yep. already found great benefits in doing it. So um, yeah, so it's been really beneficial. 31 now, Scott, and you got Dane Beams back. The midfield, Collingwood's midfield, having a look at it against Carlton um, and Gippsland a couple of weeks ago, I think you're going to whip some teams with your uncontested position in midfield. What kind of difference is Dane Beams going to make to you guys? Yeah, I think it's um, oh, anytime you can get an A grader back, it's awesome. So I think he adds depth straight away. He adds class. Um, he's a guy that, and I don't reckon there's too many guys in the league that when they get the footy, you actually feel really safe, no matter what he does, mm-hmm. that he's making the right decision. I think Beams is one of those guys left and right foot um really good around the clearances and um yeah so i think he adds depth he adds you know genuine a-grade talent into that division so 
hopefully um, he can come in and, and play his role and, um, you know, becomes a better player with us second time around. But how, how does the synergy work now? Because there's Tay Adams, there's Adam Trelaw, there's Steel side bottom, there's yourself. You're going to have, like, there's going to be times there where one of you guys is going to be out of the mixer, playing on a flank, out on the wing, out on the bench. You, how are you going to get the the chemistry right? You're going to have to be yeah, pretty I, selfless in there. Yeah, selfless. That's one of the big mantras that we, you know, we have as a midfield group. I think last year, um, our midfield group was, you know, performed pretty strongly for majority part of the year. And that was one of our big, big things is, you know, make the guy next to you better. So we've added beams in, obviously. So it's, it's just that same mentality of how we can maximize each other's strengths. Um, you know, we know there's certain parts of the ground where we know beams is just a lead in. And there's some parts where we know that, you know, I, I might need to cover for steel in this situation because he needs to do this or whatever it is. So it's just that synergy. Um, we've been training all summer together. You know, anytime we can is, is get the midfield group together, um, start working for one another, understand. And then obviously the most important piece is Brody because yep. he's the one that, you know, is icing on the cake for us having a guy who can do what he does in the ruck, but then, you know, acts as that sort of midfielder on the ground for us as well with his clearance work. What does it mean for your role? Any change? Um, yeah, I think so. There'll be I mean, now that you can change. Yeah, I think you know, it'll still predominantly be um, in the midfield. Um, but yeah, I think there'll be times when you're not prepared um, to hand over that crown just yet. No, well, I don't think <laughs> I need to. <laughs> not yet. Um, yeah, but I think there, I think there'll definitely be times, and I, I think I spoke about it last year that um, you know, look, run with roles. Um, yeah, might be stepping out to a wing. Yeah, might be half back. Um, really depends on who we play and how we feel like we can get that midfield. So. If that's me having a lockdown on, you know, a big body midfielder, say, you know, like a Paddy Cripps, more than happy to do it. Um, and then the next week it might be, you know, we need you out onto the wing. We want to put steel inside for, for a week or whatever it is. So happy to do it as long as we keep banking points. Coco, we don't like to blow too much um, <clears throat> wind up our man's backside here. But when we were down at Gibson, you know, JLT game, a bit scrappy at times, you know, a few kicks out of bounds, you know, here and there, missed targets. I think Jack Crisp kick the grass at one stage rather than the actual football. Kick the grass further than the ball multiple occasions. <laughs> yeah. With how many he did hit two in particular targets and then just gave everyone just that real nonchalant look, like still maybe the best kick in the competition that that did uh, come to the I don't. I don't like seeing your text come through pumping him up because straight away you're like, oh, you're out there, you're class or whatever. <laughs> I'm playing so I don't see this. Yeah, mm, I always yeah. have to bring it down straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was my old home ground, so I had an advantage. I knew how to play the ground. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, grand, the grand final and the learnings and reflections out of that in a second because I think you're vulnerable in the air against West Coast. I'm just, you may be a that issue. But you did play Geelong this weekend. You're going to re- renew your hostilities against Joel Selwood. Remember he, there was the argy-bargy yeah. from a couple yeah. of years ago and he tried to sledge you and he said how crap Collingwood was and you said how crap Geelong was and you yeah, know, and then great. you shook hands. We got him on the podcast and we yeah. cleared that up. Yeah. I still remember Robbo's face on 360. <laughs> that was one of the all-time. It's like he's seen a ghost. <laughs> what does um, Levi Greenwood do? Does he go to Joel Selwood or is he – because he seems to be playing back now. Yeah, Could he have a role for Gary Ablett? Um, I'd imagine he'll, he'll stay with our back seven yep. um, without giving too much away. But yep. he's trained there all summer. Looks really comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose the ability that coaches have now with, um, you know, a full squad to pick from pretty much for round one is they might, you know, best plans might be having Levi back, but then it might be, all right, if Joel or Danger get out of hand, we can shift him here and they can move someone else back or whatever that may be. So, Gazza. Gazza's um, going to be a Danger lurking. Yeah, I know. He's, um, 
yeah, when I heard he was going to go forward, I wasn't too excited, to be honest, by that. Um, yeah, I think that's the hardest thing for coaches, really, is trying to – I've sat in a few of those coaches' meetings over the years when I've been injured and stuff like that, where yeah. they, they're planning. So they literally plan for almost the alphabet of things that could happen. So um, I think Levi will start back and then go yeah. from there. He's looked good in the back car from what I've seen so far. The grand final, <clears throat> Scott, have you made your peace with – the loss? Um, oh, I don't think you ever make peace with it. Um, 2011, 2018, the two that got away for, for me. So, um, But, yeah, I've watched the game back since. Um, was it an emotional experience? No, I was all right. Yeah, I was all right. Um, wasn't too bad. Just sort of sat there, quiet house, and watched it. Um, yeah, I, was, I suppose, if anything, I was less emotional watching it because I could just remove the emotion of playing and yep. just sit there and actually watch because um, it, it's, it's – even say like the pre in the week before, it becomes quite a blur. Like it all happens and it's all over in the blink of an eye. And then sort of, you know, we're, we're the ones sitting there while West Coast are, are yeah. celebrating. So, um, yeah, for me, I was extremely proud of the guys. Um, thought the sec, the first half, I think we had multiple chances to really put the game, um, you know, put, put a lead in the game where it was just too much, where I reckon we could have got them to doubt themselves and think, oh, geez, you know, this is too far. It's going to be too hard. But yeah. Um, so is that where you sell, where you cost yourselves the premiership early in the second quarter when you had the momentum? You could yeah, have put think, them to the sword. I think we could have. Yeah. Well, you have a look at the end result. It's five points, and yeah. we dominated the first half. And um, um, but yeah, then in saying that, when I watched the second half, they dominated the second half. And in fairness to them, they probably should have been in front by more than yeah. relying on the Dom Sheed goal. You know, they kicked I think three points in a row from directly in front. Um, Darling fell over in the goal square. Yeah. So, you know, we sort of were hanging in there as best we could, sort of what they were doing in the second quarter. And, um, yeah, just I think, yeah, it's just one of those ones where the siren went, look up at the scoreboard and they're in front. So it was a cracking game. Um, speaking to you before about off airs, you know, 77, 72. So both defences held up. Um, you know, they probably won the midfield battle as well. So that that burns for our midfield group a little bit and, and something we, you know, we're trying to rectify with, you know, how we go about it. They also got you in the air, and they did it three times last year. We know what a special player McGovern is. Kennedy's been the best for a while. You guys been undersized. Tyson Goldsack had to play key defence. Um, Langers maybe also. But now you've got Jordan Ruffhead, who looks like an exceptional pick for pick 75, I think it was. And Darcy Moore, from everything I've seen, has torn up the preseason. Yeah. So yeah. that was your Achilles heel. That's where you yeah. were vulnerable, yeah. and you've specifically addressed that. It's a yeah, well, much think, better looking back six. Yeah, well, I think um, for that matchup, that was where probably we felt most vulnerable. Um, so I think one of the strengths of our backs, say even in the premium, was the ability to intercept mark the footy, yep. and then we could go from there. Whereas against West Coast, intercept marking so hard because they're so big, so it's you know it's a spoil and you're trying to win the ground ball game. Um yeah, so with Darcy, with Ruffy, adds a bit of height, allows Howie and Langus to play up a line on sort of, you know, normal sized guys that they're supposed to play on, not sort of, you know, 10, 15 kilos running out of their weight division. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Darcy, as you said, is a, you know, really good summer. Um, he just looks so much more confident in himself at the moment. And then Ruffy, Ruffy's just been rock solid since the day he's walked into the footy club. Great pickup, played really well last JLT game. And, um, yeah, I think those two big boys will release a lot of pressure on guys like Langers, Howie. You yeah. know, not only do they play those games where they're ten to fifteen kilos lighter, the you see them the next day and they're just beaten and bruised and sore. You know, yeah. they've literally been in like a heavyweight fight as, as a bantamweight. Goldie's effort to come back from that knee in twenty four weeks was extraordinary, and um, now I think Darcy uh, Moore is really going to 
catch the ball, intercept. Where previously last year, a lot of spoiling. Yeah. Um, he's going to be able to intercept and give you a great rebound off halfback. How was your Kobe Bryant experience? So mates of mine paid $832 to see Kobe for an hour and get a show bag with a bar of soap and some moisturizer. Yeah. But from what I can hear, having spoken to Hamish McLaughlin, who interviewed him, um, it was a pretty powerful yeah. conversation. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, so I sat there, um, yeah, and I was I didn't really know what to expect because I heard some mixed reports about how the event had been sold and yeah. um, it's going to be chaos because people have been promised the world and yeah. it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, originally it was – I thought potentially it might be a chance to meet him, but then when I got there and I realised how many people thought they were going to meet him, that I was zero chance of meeting him, <laughs> and nor did I want to wait a few hours for him. But, yeah, yeah his message when he spoke and, um, about business, about life, his mentality – um, being more efficient with his life, um, I found it like extremely motivating to me to hear that. Just to reinforce, you know, he was 34 and he spoke about that every day. He had to get in the gym and do something. At what time? At, just whenever he could. So he was. He'd speak about getting up at 3:30 in the morning and doing track workouts, and he'd be home by six because he wanted, didn't want to compromise being a dad. Um, and then, mind you, he's got an unlimited budget, so he used to talk yep. about how he would fly from his house to games to be more efficient. Well. Like know, helicopter to training heli- or something. Helicopter to training, helicopter to game because he lived an hour out from Staples. So, um, But just the length he went to to, to get his body right, um, just his mentality now in business of just you know always wanting to speak to the best and get the best advice. And yep. um, you know his phone book was pretty handy. He's, you know reels off Michael Jordan like it's his best mate, Oprah. Um, you know, just like they're a call away for him. So, yeah, and then... You know, we had a few boys go to the event and just loved it and um, just some of the stuff. And probably the b- biggest one for me and this thing where he just in business now, he talks about being curious all the time, just mm. asking questions. And no matter what stage he got to in his basketball career, he just was always curious. Um, yeah, and I feel that that's really resonated with me and just it's quite powerful because obviously coming towards the uh, probably the middle part of my career now. <laughs> <laughs> Age 31. Um, yeah, just asking asking questions of people, um, people yep. – you know, outside of footy business, whatever it be, just having that curious mindset of, you know, trying to understand and be better. I can see you in one of Eddie's helicopters from here to uh, the MCG or just sort of popping into uh, uh, training in one of those small planes or uh, or something like that. So it is you're, – you're a dedicated athlete. I mean, yeah. the, the sacrifices that, you know – is, is amazing, you know, in terms of your diet and not having a beer with Coco and I like six beers deep on a Friday night watching the footy and you're having chamomile tea or something like that. But did you find that even inspiring? Could you go to another level or, you know, did, did he open your eyes to some things? Yeah, he definitely did. It's just, I think too it's um just, yeah, the ability to stay focused, stay on task. Um, he just spoke about if you do something for and – and I think everyone knows this, but the ability to execute is what he always spoke about. And so if you do something every day – um, say for me, it's in his example is like I stretch in the morning, yep. and it's fifteen minutes of stretching every day. Yeah, but at the end of the year, that fifteen minutes multiplied by three hundred sixty-five days is a lot of extra time spent on my body. Yeah. Um. So yeah, because I think guys like to do extra stuff, you know, but they might just do it every second week or whatever. Yep. So he was talking about embracing that every single day. Yep. Um. Yeah. And he also even before when you said you know I, I sacrifice a lot, he he'd scoff at that because it's investing. You're investing mm-hmm. in yourself. It's not a sacrifice. Like, you know, he lives a pretty good life, I'd imagine, from all the investment he's done. So, um, yeah, it de- definitely motivated me to um, push myself further and yeah. see, yeah, try and find a new level with my footy. And you're 
an interesting stage of your career because you're technically out of your prime now. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're 31. And I think people, whether it's yourself and someone like Joel Selwood, uh, waiting for you to sort of fall off the perch a little bit. And I yeah. think you'd be motivated by staying at that. Certainly kicking, uh, was top, uh, top notch at the, um, at the weekend. Can I just, Cooper Cronk did one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in last year's NRL grand final. So he hardly touched the ball, played with a broken scapula or shoulder or, or whatever it was. But to me, it really opened my eyes to what someone who can organize and direct the impact he can have on a sporting field on the biggest stage of the year, almost without touching the footy or, or very close to. And I wonder whether in AFL, we're just starting to get our heads around that because Melbourne made a huge mistake getting rid of James McDonald. I think St Kilda made a big mistake getting rid of Rewalt and Lee Montagna, and yet Brisbane have made a great move getting um, Luke Hodge. Yeah. And I reckon Jordan Ruffett almost might fit in that bracket yeah. f- for you guys. Yeah. And um, I'm wondering what what your view on that on on the importance of that sort of yeah. experience organization. Yeah, can have when, on the on the football. When I first field. started with Collingwood, we had really experienced guys like Jimmy Clement, Bucks, Scotty Burns, Licker, Brody Holland, um, and then twenty. I think it was like twenty eleven. We had sort of lost all that experience, yeah. like Shane O'Brien, Josh Fraser, yeah, um, Licker retired, Brody Holland. All those guys were gone, and the sort of there was a vacuum at the top. It was sort of like Maxi, Joel's, Bawley, yeah, and that was about it. And then yeah. underneath that, oh, Ben Johnson was there, Leon as well. Um, but there's a bit of a vacuum of that real strong leadership and direction. Um, he yeah, lost th- his way. And I think, or Hedl was only like 25 or something. So yep. he, was, he was quite young. Swanee was 25. Um, yeah, I think it's a massive, um, yeah, sort of blight on the game that we see guys once they hit over 30 is just we expendable. Off. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you'd rather invest money in, you know, a rookie pick yep. year on year in when, you know, they're just going to get turned over yep. instead of keep a guy like a, a Rewalt, Montagna, as you said, they can organise. It's just the expectations. You know, if, as a club, you expect Rewalt to go out there and be your best player every week. Yeah. Um, and it also comes back to that player and his ego. Is he able to keep his ego in check, help other players play, be willing to sacrifice, be willing to make other guys better? Um, I think that's when you find the sweet spot with guys. And, and clearly, Hodgie at Brisbane's had a massive impact, not just on the field, off the field. Yeah. And also, like, one of the things that I remember being a young kid is just, like, it's almost like story time, as like the indigenous guys call it, sitting in the ice baths at the end of training or in the spa or whatever, and just yeah. talking about when we won a flag or what happened back then when this happened, like this. And all the experienced guys have got yeah. stories, funny stories, or um, you know, stories about guys being late to punishments, getting a punishment the next day. Just and young guys love hearing all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, because uh, footy doesn't change that much through years. It just it's just new faces, new names, new players, and I think. The more you can keep experience on your on your list to yeah. educate the youth is is yeah oh, it's invaluable to organisations. I don't think we got that bit. We've not got sure. it wrong. Yeah, massively. We, we haven't got it right. We think to rebuild, you've got to get rid of every senior player yeah. and then bring in all these young kids, but then they have no direction, and then eventually they're going to hit middle of their career and they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. So you've got to have that experience there, and I think Carlton's done it pretty well, keeping Daisy, keeping Cade Simpson, yeah, guys like that. Cade was very good. He's awesome. In the second I, half of the weekend. I've I played international rules with him and just even for me sitting with him, he's a couple of years older than me, but just yep. when he talks about stories from two thousand and four, his first three games of his career he didn't touch the footy like yeah. you know, it's great for a young kid to hear that um say Sam Walsh, for example, if he plays Thursday night, doesn't touch it. 
and Cade's not there anymore yeah. at the football club. And he walks in, Cade, Cade would probably have a joke with him. He's like, yeah. mate, you've only done it once. I did it three times, <laughs> yeah. you know, like just all that stuff. And, yeah. um, and, and the older players don't tend to, to ride that wave of emotion like what young players can get caught up doing. The up and down. Yeah. yeah. Ego is an interesting word you used. And it's massive in sport. Well, and yeah. And so my mind, I think of Gary Ablett initially, not because he's got a huge ego, but whether he can play a selfless forward role not touching the footy all the time, creating for others because he has been the man, he has been the guy in the spotlight, he has been the best player on the field all the time. We see with uh, Trent Cotchen a couple of years ago, played a very selfless midfield role. And you did something similar um, last year, I think round one, uh, round two against Paddy Cripps and the run with roles yeah. you spoke about. And that for me from this Friday night for Gary Ablett is going to be very interesting because he's not always going to get the bite of the cherry that he's been used to. And if yeah. you're going to become a better team, He's going to be a part of that. I want to ask you about team culture. We're going to talk yep. to Jack uh, Frost in two minutes about his concussion battle. Interesting comments from the boss of the NBA, Adam Silver, only a couple of weeks ago, saying that uh, a survey of um, NBA players revealed the bulk of them were unhappy. Huge yep. salaries. We know yep. they play three games a week, 82 games for the season, but he said we've got an issue that there's so much in unhappiness yep. amongst our, our stars he goes on to say that technology was a huge challenge because the players in Michael Jordan's era didn't have the mobile phone. So yeah. they're on the bus, they're, you know, talking, they're playing poker, they're being silly, yeah, they're mucking around, with each other. engaging yeah. each other. Now they've got their headphones on, their listening Instagram, music, yeah. devices, yeah. social media. Yeah. What's it like in the AFL? Scotty, um, how, how yeah, big is a... I think it, it's a massive area where we don't know how to handle it because... Um, guys are on their phone as soon as the game finishes. They get their phone back on their phone, Instagram, Twitter. Um, straight away? Straight away. So you sung the song? and Yeah, sung the song, get your phone back. You've got to hand your phone in when you yep. get to the ground, sing your song. And then guys, like, then you, there's guys that, and they've, people admit this, and it's like we can't help it, but you search themselves. So they're looking for feedback. Looking for what average punt driver the fence says. And they don't want to see it, but they just can't help themselves from searching themselves, they jump on, they read about themselves, and um, what does that? What's the highs and lows of that? Oh, well, I think the yeah, I think it starts off um, always good because you're a young kid, whatever it is, um, and everyone pumps you up. Oh, that young kid today, like say Jaden Stevenson, for example. Yeah, Jaden, what a star he was in round four. He kicked four goals. Like he's going to be the next such and such. He's, so then all of a sudden, it keeps reading. It's all positive, you know, and it's like it feels you feel good. bulletproof. Yeah, yeah, it feels good, and then um, and it probably doesn't happen instantly, but. Two years down the track, it's form swings. Oh, what happened to him? He was supposed to be the next prodigy. What happened to him? He probably just played a down game. You don't know what's going on in his personal life. But yep. the downside is, is Jaden's sort of now a little bit programmed to search himself after games. Yeah. And you see it all the time. There's guys looking, going through Twitter or he said this. And um, yeah, so for, like for me, like my phone's filtered that heavily that you know, I can't see anything like that. You don't see any pun up reaction. So I don't see any of that reaction. Yeah. Um, I would have to search myself and my name to find it. Yeah. So, like, I, I play a game and I would get home and if I jumped on Twitter, basically, like, hasn't changed. It just – if I just want to read about the people I follow. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty strict personally with who I follow and try and stay away from footy media, footy stations, all that type of stuff because uh, even the good or the bad, I just don't really want to know about it because I yep. just trust what the coaches are saying to me. But it is – only going to get worse in AFL. So you've seen a lot. You go in the locker room and you see these young people and their emotions. Oh, I could take. I got training tomorrow. I could take a video at lunchtime, walking in after training, and I'm part of it. Yep. Where 
you look in, there'd be 20 guys, everyone's heads down, reading their phone. Health? One word spoken. How unhealthy is that? Oh, I don't, yeah, it's no, no good at all. But it's just guys doing innocent things, checking Instagram, checking sports scores, whatever. But, um, you know, we've, as a club, we've brought in a few things like, you know, no phones in the kitchen when we're eating together. So that hour. So everyday training or? Every day. So no phones in the kitchen. Um, cause, you know, when you're having meals, it's great to have a meal and talk, not have a meal and read Twitter. Just little things like that because yeah. three years ago, without that, it's everyone's yeah. having a feed on their phone. Silence. Yeah. yeah. And it, um, I think guys are appreciating like what we're trying to do and it's, yeah. it is nice to not have your phone. And yeah. if you could, if I said to most people, are you on your phone too much? They say, yeah, I am, but it's addicting. Yeah. The people way smarter than us created them. They make a lot of money from them. They know how to get us to keep coming back and checking it. So, well, yeah, I, I think it's a massive issue and – um, and I think that plays with like the, the mental health side of things too. Guys being unhappy about um, social media, all the feedback they get, the pressure they get, the anxiety about having to perform. Um, it builds up because you're reading comments from people that you don't know, um, character assassinating you and assassinating your game and how you play. I don't think it's healthy. It certainly isn't. The AFL have been on the, quite clear about that being the number one issue. Yeah. The biggest challenge for, yeah. um, for the game at the moment. Last one on this, Alistair Clarkson once banned phones. Hawthorne players on a trip to Sydney because they on it too uh, much. Uh, yeah, and yeah. they hadn't won in Sydney for a while. Yeah. Do you think something like that could work? I mean, you've sort of got spoken a little bit about the yeah. taking away while you're eating. Yeah. But do you think you could ramp up that when you're on the bus, for example, and yeah. Michael Jordan says championships were on the bus. Yeah. That team chemistry, that bonding that Richmond had, that Bulldogs had, that you guys had last year. Yeah. And introduced a lot of initiatives, club level initiatives to get that 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 yeah. friendship going. Do you think that could go to another level where you take phones off young kids these days? Like um, in the club oh, environment, in a team environment? I think it's like a balance. Like if I was, you've seen that photo where everyone's on a bus and they're on a phone and 50 years ago they were all reading a newspaper. So yeah, I know for me, say if we're going to training or a game, we're on the road. Um, if you said, can I have your phone? I'd probably then just have a paper. Mm-hmm. I like to just read and chill out. And when mm-hmm. I'm on my phone. It's different like, to social yeah, media though, right? But I think that's the thing is like what you're doing on your phone is the most important thing. So if you're on social media. Tinder. Tinder, Snapchat, whatever it is, on these things, yep. going to training, going to a game, that's not good. Yep. So for me, I'll be on Bleacher Report reading NBA or boxing or UFC. I like to do that, chill out. So I think I think we've got a real good balance with what we do and how we implement phones at our club. Very interesting, Scotty. Yeah. It is interesting that, uh, I mean, the threat is very real. Oh, massively. From what we can understand. Right, we're going to get your former teammate, Jack Frost, on the line, he played 56 games for the Magpies and the Lions. He retired in 2017 after having 14 concussions. His is a very compelling, uh, real, and um, scary story. Frosty, thanks so much for joining us, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate, and thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, our pleasure. Um You've been really open with some of your stuff on uh, Instagram. I've been watching you for a little bit and, uh, you know, you've been having a real conversation about your, your uh, concussion battle. Take us back to 2017. I think it was a kneeful final when you copped another hit, your 14th concussion or something like that, and it seemed uh, like that's that was the moment when you knew that you probably had to start stop playing football. Tell us about that game. Um, yeah, so it was uh, end of last year. I think it was the first first final um, for the Nepal team. Um, and I guess it had been a long couple of years because the worst one I had, I missed about five or six months 
uh, couldn't even go into the club or anything because the symptoms were that bad. So then recovered from that, played the whole year last year, and then yeah, I, was, I think it was 15 minutes into that first final and just went for a ground ball and I think um, someone's hip or knee or something hit me in the head and um, I didn't get knocked out or anything but I was pretty certain that that might have might have been the last the last straw for me so yeah it was a it was a weird sort of weird sort of day and um, could yeah like I said couldn't see it out of my eyes um, for a little bit there and was just sort of sitting on the bench sort of this weird feeling that I knew that that was probably my last game that I ever played so yeah, it's not a great feeling, but contact sport at the end of the day. How long, Frosty, does that sort of stuff stick around for, those, those head knocks? Initially, the 14th hit, are you, you know, do you feel sick after the game the next day? Is it a week, a month? Um, how do you go dealing with that? And what was the support like up at, at Brisbane for you? Yeah, so I think the, the accumulative effect is probably the worst thing because um, most footy players have had, you know, one or two, and you sort of, it takes maybe a week. Also, maybe two weeks if it's really bad. Um, or after Harris Andrews won five weeks. So, um, you know, the, the first couple aren't too bad, but I think the more you get, the longer the symptoms persist for, which is what happened in my case. So, uh, yeah, the last two that I got were, like I said, couldn't go into the club for five or six months because I just woke up every day with nausea, feeling like I need to throw up all the time. Um, yeah, I had extreme sensitivity to light and sound. I couldn't do anything that got my heart rate up because that made me feel sick too. So, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty dismal place to be. Um, it sounds like hell, Frosty. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was. It was pretty bad, and especially when you sort of move into state and you don't have your family and your friends and everything, you get pretty lonely. And my partner works, so she wasn't there during the day. So yeah, it's a pretty lonely place. Um, but I guess the support was pretty good. I mean, they checked it on me all the time and. It's a, a duty of care, I guess, that um, they sort of have to show and the support now, even that when I'm out of the game and, and still suffering from symptoms and everything, is still really good. So, yeah, the lines have been really good for me. And that's the thing, um, Frosty. So this is an ongoing battle for you. Can you tell us about your symptoms now? What, what, are, you, what are you coping with on a daily basis? Um, I guess the worst of it now is probably just that, Inability to concentrate for long periods of time. Like I said, I do a lot of housework now because that's all I've been able to do for a long time. And even sort of trying to write a regimen or uh, email people about doing work experience and stuff like that. Even that sort of started to make me feel sick. And it's just frustrating because you go from being, you know, an athlete where your body can do pretty much everything you want it to do. Um, and you feel fit and you feel healthy with your body, but then your mind just you can't do anything. So it's a very, very frustrating feeling. But um, I think I'm sort of starting to feel better now. I'm getting there slowly, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a long battle. So now Frosty with, um, with diet, um, supplements, medication, how's that all play out with you now moving forward? Is there stuff you, you do, you're really conscious of um, with the link between food, um, supplements, etc. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's sort of, I guess I'm a believer in sort of everything happens for a reason and I never thought my diet was horrendous, but um, the more you know, I guess. I mean, you don't know what you don't know until you know it, if that sounds mm-hmm. stupid, but um, you can only make it better once you do research and learn about different things. But it's like you said, the, the link between the gut and the mind is massive and there's heaps of research coming out 
about all that stuff, and there has been for a while too. Um, so I guess the supplements are they're just an additive to the diet. So there's supplements that you know increase um, you know your brain power and make you function better and for longer and stuff like that. But I think the diet is the biggest thing, and I've sort of I've tried to eliminate gluten, dairy, and grains from my diet, which is pretty basic. Like you know a lot of people have been doing that for a long time, but if you haven't done it before, it's pretty hard to get used to. Um, I know you're a big believer in the diet, Scott. You have been for a long time. Yes, I am. I was uh, saying trying to give up dairy. I've I've been off dairy now for a couple of years, but that's um, yeah. that's challenging. We had a young kid the other day. Funny story, quick story. But he's off dairy, so he's having almond milk only. And I thought I yeah. wonder, I'll watch him for one day, and I bet you he has dairy because a lot of people don't understand. So he went to make a protein shake, chucked in yogurt, had eggs that morning for breakfast. So um, he's still off dairy, though. Believe it or not. Tell, tell us about the tell us about the acupuncture, um, Jack. I've seen on your Instagram you're having needles in, in your head and and you're, you're keeping them there for a period of time. How's that helping you? <laughs> it's a weird one because I've I've always hated needles so much. Like I'm petrified of them. Um, I'm not a huge fan. Them. I'll be honest. <laughs> Same here. I yeah, hate them. Um, so it, yeah, it was like I said with exploring just everything. So supplements, as you mentioned, diet. Um, I was willing to try anything because sort of just resting and letting it recover itself wasn't working mm. um, and I wasn't getting anywhere with it. So yeah, acupuncture was one of the things that um, I sort of thought might, might help and I'd read a few things about it too. So I thought, why not? May as well try it. And um, to this point, I reckon it's probably what's helped me the most, to be honest. Um, so luckily there's one just close by, um, two minutes from my house, so that helps as well. But um, yeah, it's it's sort of a weird one because you put you, when he said, you know, you have to leave him in for the afternoon if you're not doing anything, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me, don't you? Like, I've got to, what if I need to do things? Like, I can't move, and yeah, it made me feel pretty sick thinking about that, but you get over it pretty quickly, and yeah, like I said, it's helped me a lot, so I'm glad that I, I did it. Hey, um, Frosty, with, with this sort of stuff, and you're seeing it now happen heaps more in AFL, what would your advice be to um, guys, uh, Paddy McCartan, that are getting these head hits? Is there anything that you wish that? I don't know, management-wise, that had have happened for you or you could have done different that you'd like to pass on to, to these kids? Um, yeah, it's. I think the hardest thing is because, as I mentioned before, as athletes, you want to, when you're humans, I guess, in general, you want to get the best out of yourself and it's very hard to think about giving away something that you love when the rest of your body feels amazing. But the thing is, it's not a knee replacement, it's not... You can't just get surgery and get it replaced and it will never be as good, but you can get it replaced and whatever. It's your brain and as far as I know, they're not doing brain transplants at the moment. So um, you need it for the rest of your life. If you want to have kids, um, family, or like a proper working life, um, you, you need your brain. So it's not really worth the risk. Um, so that would probably be my advice. Um, I reckon that yeah, mine was probably a bit too late and well, as you know, I'm still suffering so I think it's important to think about it early and just weigh up the risks as hard as it may be that you know you need your brain for the rest of your life. And for me, fellas, this is not just um, a really important conversation for AFL players. It's possibly even more important for the local footballers out there because they don't have the elite resources yeah. or, you know, maybe, oh, Johnny, go back out in the field or, you know, well, they don't want to be seen as being soft 
you know, and, and yep. showing that vulnerability and, you know, just get back out there, mate, that sort of stuff. And that used to happen 10 years ago at AFL level. That clearly doesn't anymore. But at local level, there's not the checks and balances. So, I mean, it's a really important conversation for them and, and the care needs to be, you know, absolutely at the forefront of all these sorts of decisions. Um, Frosty, we thank you so much um, for having the, the chat with us because certainly it is one of the biggest issues in the game at the moment. I was just going to ask you, and, and Liam Picken, before we let you go, Liam Picken spoke about this um, only within the past month or two. How's your memory going? And can you remember the hits, all the games you played? How is your short-term um, memory now? Yeah, it's it's been a lot better. Um, my long-term memory doesn't seem to be as affected, but, yeah, my short-term memory isn't great. Um and I'm, one other thing I'm sort of trying is all the brain training and working on that neuroplasticity of my brain. But, um, yeah, it's not great, to be honest, mate. So it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it has a massive effect on stuff like that, which people probably don't think about at the time. And I guess what the AFL is doing at the moment is doing a lot of research into studying the links between concussion and mental health and i think gil mclaughlin has said recently that it is the number one issue in the game as we as we just touched on frosty from your experience how important is being open about your feelings and uh what what you're experiencing your own mental health especially when you're going through what you're going through yeah i think um a concussion especially can have the effect of on mental health um for example when you know i was in those dark times where I was pretty lonely and I think that really affected my mental health and has taken me a while to get back from but I think what's interesting is even hearing uh, Dustin Martin talking about the other day that you know he's one of the best players in the league Um, he's got everything that he could ever want pretty much and you still wake up in the morning with an empty feeling and I think so it can happen to anyone and I think that shows a lot of vulnerability and I think it's just important to get the message across that it doesn't matter what you do who you are um, it's so important to talk about how you're feeling because often if you don't, it can lead to, you know, much worse things. So there's no, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It happens to a huge majority of the population. So there's, yeah, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. And I think it's just so important to, talk about it with anyone well mate we're uh, certainly uh thinking of you and um we encourage everyone to follow your instagram account what is your instagram account again frosty uh jl frost jl frost <laughs> we'll um keep checking in with you mate and we wish you the absolute best um with what you're going through at the moment it is certainly fantastic to hear that um things are improving for you so thank you so much for your time today mate and absolutely all the best thanks frosty oh thanks for having me on it's important converse so Good to hear you chatting about it. But, yeah, thank you very much. And good luck, Scott, in the weekend. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. JL Frost, get around the great man at, uh, on his Instagram account. Um, he's quite entertaining and funny as well, uh, Frosty, so as well as having a very serious conversation. Uh, there's a few laughs there. So uh, get around him. We certainly enjoy and appreciate um, his today, time today on the Jock and Journo Show. Now, all our guests this year, Scotty and Braden, will be proudly brought to you by St Andrews Beach Brewery. They get a nice little $50 voucher, uh, Scotty, with thanks Absolutely. to San Andrews Beach Brewery. Have you been there? I have, and it Great is. Great spot. An amazing spot. Can oh, we right. go down there when when bi weekend? When you're by, can we uh, just well, yes, take maybe. the crew down? I don't want to commit too early, but we'll be there at some stage. We'll do a podcast from down there. It'll be unbelievable. Could be just you and me, Coco. Phone me. Six beers. Nah, I'll a, be there. I'll be there. It is an amazing spot. And 
If you do want to get involved with the Jock and Journo show, we are looking for a uh, major sponsor to jump on board. So uh, we are uh, keen to partner uh, with someone, Scotty, to uh, keep having great conversations for the rest of the year. Absolutely. You have to get on early. Uh, we're going to be snapped up pretty quick, Are I we? imagine. Well, let's hope so. Um, Scotty, massive game on Friday night. I can't wait to go. Absolutely all the best. Uh, to you and the Magpies for the rest of the year. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. It's good to be back. And Coggo, you uh, you you run the show. You run the show, <laughs> mate. Thanks for all your work. Well, Bye, that's, that's what I wanted to give a shout out to Road. They're a big uh, supporter of ours, so we've got the the new mixer and the new mics. And I thought you were going to DJ some tunes or something. Looks <laughs> we're, good. we're able to do it out of Pendle's uh, mansion here in Elwood. It's a great spot. Thanks so much for listening to us. It is Series Three of the Jock and Journal Show. We'll get you next time. Bye for now.